Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and I love all things tech. And today is Friday. That means it's time for a classic episode of Tech Stuff. This episode originally published on January 29th, 2013. It is titled Social Media and You, and it features Lauren Vogelbaum as my co-host. Lauren had done a couple of episodes before this one uh, that you're about to hear. I did not include those because they were particularly early ones. You can go back into the archive at techstuffpodcast.com and find them. But I found that this one, I think, was a good starting point for the Lauren era of Tech Stuff. And hope you guys enjoy. There's a lot of fear out there, I think, and a lot of a lot of news stories that are kind of amping up that fear. And there have been several studies that that talk about this doom and gloom about like about like, oh no, social media is so big that we're not going to talk to each other in person anymore. Right. Um, total communication breakdown. Cats and dogs living together, that that kind of thing. Nice. Um, and uh, it, it's this is not pop stuff, but I like to just yes. Eek. Anyway. Yeah. Um, no. 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 We quote documentaries all the time here on Tech Stuff. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. And I, I agree entirely, Lauren. I mean, that, from an armchair psychology perspective, uh, if I were to just look at the, the whole idea of social media and human interaction in general, uh, part of me would think, hey, social media is replacing that face-to-face human interaction that we tend to think of as being really important as part of our development as a person, right? Or that seems to be really important for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of socialization. And the worry is that without that face-to-face interaction, with something else replacing it, we would be less capable of dealing with those interactions when they come up. And a lot of the the information about this tends to be anecdotal, which anyone who's done any science knows is not reliable when it comes to actually measuring. It's not actually anything. science. No, at no. All. Um, uh, there have been a few studies. There's a one one that you will hear quoted all the time was from um, the Stanford Institute for the Quantitative Study of Society, um, and. Uh, uh, this one said, uh, this one is, was in 2005, to be fair. So this was a few years ago. Uh, right. It was before Twitter and Facebook were really huge. Right. But, um, but it found that, um, compared to people who, um, do not use the internet frequently, those who do, um, uh, spend 70 minutes less per day interacting with their family, 25 minutes less per day sleeping, and uh, 30 minutes less watching television, although I'm not sure why that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, um, that could go the other way. Uh, but, 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 that, but that family thing, that 70 minutes less a day talking to your family, that sounds, that sounds awful. Um, right. Until, Unless, of course, you're interacting with your family online. <laughs> exactly. And that's, and that's what we're – I think it turns out that that is what we are doing. Right, right. Yeah. Again, it's one of those things where I think the stereotype, the thing that we all imagine, is the, the person sequestered in his or her room uh, – you know, it's, it's dark. It's hunched gloomy. in their cave. Yeah, it's depressing and probably the, playing WoW. Yeah, the only interaction they get is is whomever, over whomever's online. It's through a keyboard and over a microphone. Right, and that's it. And it, and it can be asynchronous communication, meaning that you know you leave a message, then later on the person reads it, and then they leave a message. This is essentially the way email works. It's asynchronous, as opposed to a face-to-face conversation, which is generally synchronous, unless you're talking to me, in which case it's just a monologue. But <laughs> Uh, that's the way I work. But anyway, that's uh, generally speaking, that tends to be the view is that it's 
a person who is withdrawing more and more, and it's this this idea that social media could ultimately be dehumanizing us, at least in the sense of how we define what a human is right now. Right. And to be fair, isolation is a very scary thing. Um, uh, there's all kinds of studies about about how it can be as bad for you as smoking and obesity, um, sure. how it, it, it increases cancerous tumors in mice. Wow. Um, I mean, it, it's developmentally, it's a very big problem. I mean, there are, there are actual cases of uh, tragic cases of children who are deprived the ability to interact with other people and how that has uh, impacted their ability to develop as a human. Like, like yeah. you know, they, they never really develop beyond a certain, what, what would be equivalent to a certain age, like a younger age. Like there are stories about kids who were in terrible conditions and, you know, grow up and never really develop beyond, say, a seven or eight-year-old mental sure. level. Uh, lo- lonely subjects have been found to have less brain activity. Than, than people with a, a healthy and diverse social network. Yes, whenever I get lonely, I'm not thinking of anything. <laughs> it's just me and supernatural. supernatural marathon. You had it, man, before I could even say it. Yes, it's just me and the next episode of Supernatural. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, certainly Those not. brothers are dreamy. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I don't watch the show. They are dreamy, Lauren. <laughs> I'm a, Look, I believe you. you know, okay. Cool. So uh, anyway, <laughs> yes, uh, th- th- these are these are all perceptions. Now, when it comes down to science, there are a lot of different studies that look at this, and there's some conflicting results. And part of that is because of the nature of the studies. Part of it is that you know the studies are not necessarily looking at the exact same criteria, right? So it could be that one seems to contradict another, but sure. it may be that in a broader perspective, they're not really contradictory. It's just that they're looking at they're different looking at things. different aspects because when people are talking about social isolation, um, they're they're talking about um, uh, the the size, the intimacy the diversity and the location of your social network. Right. Yes. There's lots of different uh, terms for this as well about whether or not you have uh, a certain number of confidants, like people that you you really connect with. These are the people with whom you share those deep personal things that are not something you would talk about to To just your your neighbor unless they're your confidant or or, or someone on the street or your coworker necessarily. It's it's who you go to when you're upset or when you're happy. It's the first person that, if you're me, you text message when when something terrific happens to you. I haven't received any text messages. Okay, so awkward. Uh, Moving on. I'm... Dealing with a little heartbreak here, oh, oh. but no, it's okay. I, I don't, I don't have to be everyone's best friend. Well, I mean, the Just thing is, I was someone's. Best oh friend. well, the the thing is that people, the people really, um, uh, the average person has has one point eight uh, ish, and then that's that's you know one one point eight close yeah. context like that. Depending upon, yeah, depending on which survey you, you're yeah, looking at, because yeah. some of these. One of the one of the surveys I really looked at, which is one that you you sent me the information to, so I thank you, Lauren, because without it I would have nothing to talk about. <laughs> but it was the Pew Internet Personal Networks and Community Survey. Now, before I even get into the data here, I should stress they surveyed two thousand five hundred twelve adults. Now that's a pretty small sample size. It's a sample size, size yeah, and that's yeah. not. So. Any results we get, you have to keep in mind, this is this is a, a very small sample. But within that sample, they drew some pretty big conclusions. One of those was that 79% of American adults said they used the Internet. So, wow, 21% didn't? <laughs> but anyway, uh, 79% said they used the Internet, and nearly half of adults 
or 59% of those who said they use the Internet say they use at least one social networking service. Sure. So this is stuff like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, that kind of thing. And uh, this is sort of tangential to our community. Our, 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 our conversation here, but I found it really interesting. Out of the ones they surveyed, 92% of those who used social networking services said they used Facebook. So 92% of them were like, Facebook is one of the ones I use. 29% used MySpace, 18% LinkedIn, and 13% used Twitter. So that means more people are using MySpace than Twitter, which to me says the 29% of people who said that are all in a band. (laughs) I mean, really? When was the last time you used MySpace? I I deleted my MySpace account about a year ago. Yeah. So now, granted, is... it's it's coming back because Timberlake's brought sexy and MySpace back. <laughs> Those were the two things he brought back. I don't know where he went to find them, we but have... he brought them back. Um, but yeah, I don't use MySpace either. It just blows my mind that more people are using MySpace that, uh, in this survey anyway yeah. than LinkedIn and Twitter. Yeah, but um, but 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 that's I mean that is indicative of the of the overall usage. I mean, Facebook um, as of October 2012 had um, one billion monthly active users. Yeah, that's a huge huge number. And uh, and 584 million daily active users. Wow, that's. A whole bunch of people. That's 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 more people than there are even user accounts on Twitter. Um, uh, as as of December, uh, Twitter had had more than two hundred million monthly yeah, active that's accounts. December two thousand twelve. Just I'm in sorry. case, just in case you people <laughs> in the far future are listening to back the episodes of tech stuff. Future. Where's my jetpack? Is it on the way? <laughs> Use I guess your time machine to bring it back to me. Right. There's no Thanks. way they can tell me. That's the sad thing. They're like, you've been using it for three years. I'm like, oh, that's, time travel stinks. Right. Um, I mean, because I only get to go one direction, and it's really slow, second by second, as it turns out. Hey there, it's Jonathan from 2019, here to say we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor. The interesting thing about this this survey, I mean, we've been kind of talking about the things they found, but one of the things they were specifically looking for was this idea of social isolation. And does the use of social media contribute to social isolation? Is it true that we are actually withdrawing from society in favor of the interactions that we have on social networking services? And according to the survey... Spoiler alert? No. No, it's not happening. Not not that. Yeah, they said that uh, according to the survey, that social isolation has not really changed since 1985, which... This is just for people who aren't paying really close attention. 1985, not really a big year for the Internet. Um, 85, if you were using the Internet, you were in a research facility or a university. Uh, you were not the average person because, of course, the World Wide Web, the the main way we tend to think about interacting with the Internet, apart from apps and stuff, that's mm-hmm. starting to really take control. But sure. World Wide Web didn't, wasn't a thing until 92. So 85 Obviously, is before social networking services are a thing. There and were like three people on Prodigy as of '89, yeah. I think, and that was yeah. about it. So. Yeah. So if you're on a bulletin board system, maybe, <laughs> but it's before social networking services, obviously. Uh, but these the extent of social isolation hasn't really changed since then. So that tells us that it's very possible social networking services don't have a big impact. Now, we can't say that for sure. Because there are a lot of different factors. So many factors. Yeah, it could be that we are uh, reducing social isolation at an exponential rate. But 
the social networking services are pulling that back. So it could be that there is an impact on social isolation. It's just that other factors are pushing it forward, so it ends up balancing so it evens out. out. Right. Yeah, this is the complex thing about science. This is why drawing conclusions is difficult. You have to do a lot of studies and really look at all the different factors and try and control for as many variables as possible, because otherwise, whatever you say could turn out to be not so true in the grand scheme of things. But based upon what this survey found, it looks like social networking services are not turning us all into hermits. This isn't from the same Pew Internet study. I, I think it's from a different one. I didn't write down which study it's from in my notes. But um, uh, it's been found that mobile phone use has actually made our contact lists smaller but more intense. That makes sense. So, for instance, you know, it's not that it's not that the relationships are less meaningful. Right. It just means that the ones that we contact, we're really depending upon them and that we might be using a, a phone in order to make that connection as opposed to necessarily, you know, walking across the street or, or driving to a friend's house or meeting up at a coffee shop or whatever. Uh, to me, you know, that just means that we're transferring that same need for interaction to a different medium. It doesn't mean that we're losing that interaction. It just means that it's a, you know, we're taking advantage of technology in ways that we couldn't before, which is awesome because, I mean, I'm sure you've known people who have moved away. You, yeah. you yourself have moved a few times. Absolutely. I, I play Halo every Wednesday night so that I get to hang out with my friends who don't live here anymore. Right. So this is technology giving us those social interactions that otherwise we might lose right. if if we were to relocate or our friends relocate. And in my view, that's a huge positive. It means that those 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 relationships that have been formed over years, sometimes decades of uh, knowing one another, don't fade away. They still remain relevant because technology allows us to continue to build those relationships. Now, those interactions, the nature of them might change a right. bit, but it's still a very important part of who we are and how we interact. Yeah. And for some people, um, you know, there there are mentally and physically disabled people, the elderly, um, new new mothers who can't get out of the house, mm -hmm. um, all kinds of people who they've been doing medical studies with to see if um, use of the Internet can actually give them better social interaction. Sure. Um, it's, it's, it's been found to reduce depression in lots of those groups mm -hmm. um, and, and has really helped people out. So, Yeah, I've even seen that there have been studies done with people who have various mental health conditions who otherwise would find it very difficult to socialize. They, they either don't... Not just awkward like me and Jonathan. Right. No, no, no. The people who, who really find it difficult mm -hmm. to form any kind of social contact. It's just one of those things that it's a block for them. Sure. And uh, it can be very frustrating, especially if they observe that other people are capable of doing this. And there are so many factors involved here. There's a there's an entire taboo about mental health in yeah. our culture that is that's problematic. And so and awful. <laughs> yeah. And it feeds on itself, right? It becomes sure. this thing where it just mounts on the person who's experiencing this. And some of the studies had people using social networks and and they were finding it much easier to interact with people and making suggestions on how to create a social network with tools that would allow them to to have to even interact greater even interaction. Yeah, that's great. Which, yeah, you think about that like this is this is what technology should do. Yes. Technology should help people so that they can interact any way they want in the you know in a way that brings them the satisfaction that people can have, you know, the, people who don't have these conditions 
tendify naturally. Right. Um, I like this to me. It's it, to me, it's a great thing, and it, it, anything that decreases that sense of isolation and that sense that taboo mm-hmm. is a good thing to yeah. me. Um, and it's it's an added dimension. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be replacement. It can be, and things change. I mean, I mean, Socrates was terrified that writing was going to ruin people's brains. Oh, I want to talk about this, but <laughs> we're, we're going to get into that. All right, now hang on one second. Now let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. And now back to the show. So you were talking about Socrates and writing. Yes. Right. The idea that writing things down means that you're taking stuff out of your brain and putting it on paper or stone or clay or whatever, (laughs) right? A tree, Uh your buddy Bill who stands still for really long periods of time, whatever. You're taking it out of your brain, you're putting it on something else, and therefore you are no longer relying on your brain to process that information because you've offloaded it. Socrates thought this was a terrible idea. The interesting thing is that attitude has continued up to present day, which is, you know, I assume why you brought it up, because mm-hmm. today we have computers and and uh, smartphones and, and tablets. calculators. Calculators. And- <laughs> yeah. I could not do complex equations anymore without the use of a calculator, because frankly, I just don't use those skills right. as frequently as I, as I used to. Well, you're a writer. You're not a mathematician. Yeah, I'm not a good one either. Um, <laughs> And then, mathematician that is, I'm an excellent writer. You should read some of my articles at HowStuffWorks.com. You know what I'm talking about. So uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, no, that's the, uh, exactly. I mean, uh, Nicholas Carr wrote the famous article for The Atlantic, uh, Is Google Making Us Stupid? Right. This whole idea that because we've got so much information on the Internet. That we have access to information and therefore... We're less intelligent. Right, right. We don't we don't have to remember stuff. We don't have to know stuff. We just because I'm DB knows it. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. Why do we? Why do I need to even process this information? All I have to do is type in a search query in Google, pull up the first uh, answer, and then and then repeat it back. It doesn't even mean that I even process it on a level where I understand it. Social media net, or social networking services. Some people were worried. A similar thing is going on with the social aspect right. as we're talking with the memory and processing of information on the Internet. This idea that social networking services are creating a less meaningful way of connecting with people. But things like this Pew Research survey suggest otherwise. It suggests that we're getting just as much meaningful interaction online and through technology as we would face-to-face. Now, the, the actual nature of that interaction may change somewhat. Somewhat. But, but it's still important, and it's still helpful. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, you know, that, that kind of fear of technology. To be fair, we here, Tech Stuff, are probably biased towards technology, just maybe maybe a little bit. Please listen to all our episodes. <laughs> On your computers. And, um, and contact us at Tech Stuff. <laughs> At discovery.com. <laughs> but, um, but, but no, I mean, I mean, fear, fear of technology isn't going to change the fact that technology is out there, and it's not going to change the fact that things are changing. Change happens. Society changes. Everything yeah. changes. You know, and, and pe- people were, were also worried um, in the Industrial Revolution that because... Um, because these these machines were were starting to automate human processes, yeah. that that the the quality of workspace interaction was going to go down. Right. And and all, all kinds of other ripple effects out from that. And, For sure. And That's where we get the whole sabotage thing. Because people, you know, the whole yeah. idea, the sabot, throwing yeah. the wooden shoe into the automated loom to destroy it. 
So uh, any our old old listeners to not not old listeners, but people who have listened to old <laughs> episodes of Tech Stuff know that we've talked about that many many times. Yeah, and and it's not. It, it's you know the the answer is yes things are changing but no that's not necessarily a bad thing yeah in fact the the that again going back to that Pew survey one of the other things I thought was really interesting was that they found that people who use the web a lot again another one of those those uh, uh, perceptions is that these are people who don't get out as much they don't you know they don't interact in other ways other than online but that doesn't seem to be the case according to the people that they surveyed according to the survey. The the folks who use the web were actually more likely to interact with people in their immediate physical environment. They were more likely to do things like speak to a neighbor on a on a regular basis. Or huh. uh, yes, it's sixty one percent of respondents said that they talk to a neighbor at least once per month, and they found that bloggers are seventy two percent more likely to belong to a local voluntary association than those who do not blog. Huh. So there you've got people who are very much invested in the online world, but not at the expense of the physical one. So right. directly contradicting that armchair psychology approach, which is why we always say, like, yeah, there's that whole idea of common sense dictates, which often means I am wrong, but it seems like I'm right. <laughs> I do this all the time. I'm like, well, common I sense. Clearly, blah, blah, this blah, thing. Talking out of my butt because I don't have any data <laughs> in front of me. Uh, but, yeah, they also found out, they said web users are 45% more likely to visit a cafe did not say if it was an internet cafe, which obviously would increase the odds. But 52% more likely to visit a library. Didn't say if that was because that's how they access the internet. But hey, 34% more likely to visit a fast food restaurant. That I don't necessarily think is a good thing. Mm. I, you know what? I haven't visited a fast food restaurant in a very long time. No? Good no, for you. I'm not a fast food fan. Yeah, me neither. Uh, 69% more likely to visit other restaurants. Nah, I'm in that category. <laughs> We, we might like food. and uh, Oh, gosh, I love food. And then 42% more likely to visit a public park, which is awesome. That is awesome. So we're talking about people who have uh, a real investment in their community and mm-hmm. an interest in the world outside the realm of the computer. So that does contradict they that are They are going outside. They're just taking pictures to upload when they get home. Right. Uh, oh, that reminds me of something I wanted to talk about that wasn't on, on our on the notes, but yeah. it was uh, it, it's this uh, idea. It's something that's interesting. So one of the one of the conflicts that people have with whole social networking services and everything is that it it it, it is constantly interrupting our daily lives. Right. If we are connected in various ways, so that uh, there are times where it's inappropriate for you to stop what you're doing and respond to someone on Facebook or Twitter. Like, of course. Like you're at work or you are in a conversation with someone or you're up on stage developing a keynote address to a bunch of people. I am or- so sorry. <laughs> but – but I was, was going to say like driving, but um, but those also, are but those are all important. good good experience. Also important. Yeah. So uh, anyway, have you ever been to uh, dinner with someone or or a meal with someone when the very first thing that happens is smartphone hits the table? Yes, that drives me so crazy. Are you ever that person, or do you leave your smartphone I, away? Okay, to, to, to be fair, I'm very occasionally that person, but usually it's revenge smartphone use. Usually it's it's after someone else has brought out their smartphone. I I. I have on occasion gotten a little bit huffy and gone, well, fine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check Facebook, too. Well, Lauren, I hate to break this to you, but you're going to get way worse because now you're a Tech Stuff co-host. Crap. And uh, let me put it this way. 
When I hang out with other technology podcast hosts and we all go out to eat, Mm -hmm. the table creaks under the weight of the (laughs) electronics that hit it first thing. I am not kidding. I remember meals with people like, and I'm going to be dropping some names here, folks, because my back hurts. Get ready. So I got to drop some weight. Get ready. But people like uh, Sarah Lane, Aya Zaktar, and Tom Merritt of uh, This Week in Tech, mm-hmm. or or Molly Wood of CNET, or um, oh, uh, Justin Robert Young and Brian Brushwood and 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 Veronica Belmont. We've all I've been to dinner with these folks in various settings and. Invariably, the first thing that happens is everyone's smartphone hits the table, and anytime you're not looking at a menu or talking, you're looking you're at on, your cell phone. Right. And I, I include myself. I am not immune to this. This is something I've done too. And some people are better about it than others. But it is one of those things that can be kind of distracting. And I will admit, this is one of those behaviors that is socially it's becoming more and more socially acceptable in the sense that everyone's doing it, but it's. But I, I still am a little bit eked out by it. Yeah, yeah. It, it can be it can be insulting if you're talking to someone and you just see them looking because you know you their know full their attention, attention is, not, is on not on you. But um, but um, the reason why I brought it up. Mm-hmm. Oh dear. <laughs> there's a uh, restaurant in Los Angeles called Eva Restaurant. Eva. E V A. And uh, I'm sure it's not the only restaurant that does this, but Eva Restaurant has a policy, which is. If you come inside the restaurant and you surrender your cell phone to the waiter when you come in, uh-huh. you get a 5% discount on your bill. <laughs> That's a delightful. So you come in, the waiter explains the policy. Especially in L.A. Yeah. Goodness. You have the choice of, yeah, especially, yeah, no kidding. All those actors waiting for the breakout call but yeah, <laughs> or, or those agents waiting for their actors to call them. But, yeah, it means that you, you just you hand it over and then you concentrate on the food and the experience. And, you know, the, the restaurant's policy is that this way you're really focusing on mm-hmm. the meal and you're enjoying it for what it is as yeah. opposed to distracting yourself. And the meal is just something you're doing in between tweets. Right, right. Um, it also means Instagram hates it because there's so <laughs> few, so many fewer pictures of food flooding the Internet. <laughs> which which we are in, in dire lacking of. Yeah. So, food and cats, um, people. That- <laughs> we need more food and cats on the Internet. Stat. I'm, I'm I'm starting my my me and my Tumblr followers are, are starting a, a drive for more cute hedgehogs on the internet. I think that this is a thing that needs to happen. Yeah, the walrus um, had a good run. It did. Well, that bucket. Yeah, that bucket. It was a bucket list. <laughs> oh it was no. A bucket list. Oh dear, that one. That one. That was a, such a stretch. That wasn't even that, a joke. That wasn't. That's, that was I'm just, not sure. It was just words. <laughs> what that was but 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 no but i mean it it is it is it can divide our attention and i do um i've I've seen a couple of news reports lately that that had this announcer being shocked shocked did you know that when young people wake up they check their cell phone before getting out of bed and i'm like i do i'm like people don't do that yeah first of all my cell phone is my alarm of course mine too yeah i say of course because that means by turning off my alarm i am checking my cell phone right and i don't get out of bed to turn off my alarm yeah, because that's just ridiculous. That would be that would help me wake up. Probably I should do that, but no, I uh, do not. I'm a morning person anyway, so as soon as <sighs> as soon as those eyes pop open, I'm ready to go. I'm not happy about it. I'm not a <laughs> cheerful morning person. I'll still be grouchy at you. I just I'm just a- alert. Yeah, that's all. But but yeah, but 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 that that and the kind of behavior where you see more people at a concert, for example, um, taking photos of the concert than you do watching the concert. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. And that's, you know, 
Yeah, I get grouchy at concerts too. That it's that's why every concert needs to be a private show of just me and the and the musician. One one of those get off my lawn kind of moments. Yeah, um, there's only a couple of musicians I know who'd be willing to do that. To, oh, to <laughs> to actually do like a okay, it's just me and you. I'll play my songs for you. Someone that we know together. Yes, like, yes, yeah. a, a good but friend. But that's of because ours. she's nice. Yes, and it would be, you know, she she'd essentially be. Doing a favor for me. Yes. So I'm like, I like hearing you sing. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think this is a good discussion. I mean, it's, I think ultimately the, the takeaway we have to have is that we do not have a full spectrum of data to really support this one way or the other, but it looks like it's not as damaging as we would first think. Perhaps assume. And it may in fact be helpful. Uh, since it's kind of a social science thing, it's what we call one of the soft sciences. Uh-huh. And whenever you get people involved, it really messes with the variables. So, because <laughs> uh, we're not all the same, as it turns out. Crazy. Yeah, funky about that, right? So, ultimately, it may, we may not be able to come down and say definitively whether it's good or bad. It just it looks like it's not terrible. It's not, it's not that bad. Yeah. And that wraps up another classic episode of Tech Stuff. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this and the debut in the classics of Lauren Vogelbaum, who was my co-host for for a little while, quite some time, actually. And so we're going to be hearing a lot more from her over the next few classic episodes. If you guys have suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, feel free to get in touch with me. You can email techstuff at howstuffworks.com or drop a line on Facebook or Twitter. The handle of both of those is techstuffhsw. You can also pop on over to our website, techstuffpodcast.com. As I said earlier, you can go to the archive of every episode we've ever published. It's searchable, so if you want to look for a specific topic, you can. You can also find a link to our online store where every purchase you make goes to help the show, and we greatly appreciate it. And I will talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 